Hello and welcome to Connect FCS Ed Podcast, where we talk about family and consumer sciences education. Each episode is geared to recruit, support, and retain the professional FCS educator. I am your host, Barbara Scully, and I want to help boldly celebrate families and careers with you. Hi, and welcome back to the Connect FCS Ed. So thank you so much for listening. Always, you guys make this show go on. So today with me, I have an amazing guest, and she lives in Cambridge, Ohio, but teaches at Tri-Valley High School in Dresden, Ohio. She teaches personal finance, career and college readiness, child development, culinary fundamentals, food science, and global foods. She is an FCCLA advisor and jack of all trades. Holy cow. Please welcome Miss Elena Tharp. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Yeah, no, you've been following me since the birth of this podcast. So thank you so much for always just being there on social media and just kind of cheering me on. That's been, it's been exciting and throughout this journey. So we just had a great little side conversation and you have some really cool things that you are incorporating going into second semester. Do you want to talk about it? Uh, yeah. So currently you're actually right at the moment besides our little break right now. I am working on gamifying my global foods class. So I'm working with a couple other teachers in Ohio. We've kind of, the one I'm working with today, we know we both love traditional Richmond and we know we've really taken some of her ideas and have kind of sparked a new, hopefully a new change for global food. So that's one that I feel like I struggle with the most teaching. I don't have a lot of travel experience. So being able to kind of give the kids the opportunity to travel virtually or in our classrooms is really exciting to me. Try new things, learn, you know, where our food comes from. We definitely we were hitting on spices because that's something that's uh, out there. You know, spices come from different countries and we bring them here and how we use them, how they're um, grown. So we're just really excited to be able to provide the kids with this opportunity. That is really exciting. So, so you're talking about spices. So do you want to maybe even take it a step back with, so I love Tisha Richmond and I'm grateful that she's even been on the show previously. Do you want to talk just a little bit about how, I guess, kind of your, the hows and the whys of your gamifying your global food? The why, I wanted to give the kids an opportunity to learn outside of a textbook. I'm a learner that I have to do, I have to see And so I'm hoping that this provides the kids that opportunity, but also sparks them with the excitement of I'm earning points. It's not just a grade. I'm participating in this class fully. You know, I'm doing the activities. I'm gaining points. I'm moving up the leaderboard. So we've broken things down using The Amazing Race. I I know a lot of other teachers have used that. I had never actually watched that show before. So I had to do some winter break research by watching it. And so, you know, we've got route cards. So here's where you're going and how are you going to get there? What, what's the currency like? The map, the terrain, the flags, you know, just looking at where you're actually traveling to. And then we've kind of come up with detours. So like choices or tasks that you have to do. So you have to complete a certain amount or do different things. We have a roadblock. So it's kind of like those minute to win it games bringing in. So one person from each team will get to compete. 
we have intersections, we have yields, just different activities to get the kids involved. So they're learning, but we're hoping that they don't know that they're learning because they're playing. I love that. So how are you? So are you in a virtual blended or face-to-face setting? And with that, that will lead on into my my next question, actually. So So we are sort of blended. So I have designated remote learners and designated face-to-face learners. We do have a unique situation where our kids can kind of go remote as needed. So we do have kids that are face-to-face and then the next day they're remote and then maybe the next day they're back. So we're definitely trying to make this so that it is kind of fluid, that it goes hand in hand, you know, just if you're a remote learner, you're able to connect with the kids that are in class. So we're hoping that it includes everybody. And, you know, if we have to go remote for some reason, it's easily transferable to strictly virtual learning. Okay. And so are they able to work in groups or is this more individual based? So right now we have it planned that you will be in groups, but there are ways for you to learn individually. So with our choices and our tasks, you're doing that individually. So as an individual, you're, you, know, you have to complete a certain amount of choices, but then you can always go back and you have those speed bumps where you can go back and you can go, okay, well, maybe I didn't, maybe I turned in something late and I lost a couple, I lost points on it. I can go back to the detours and choose an activity to maybe bump that score, those points back up. But there are team challenges. So like our yields, they would work with their group. And then our pit stop is like the celebration. So they would work in their groups to prepare their food or whatever we're doing. So with our celebrations, we kind of have it looking like, I know for me, when we go to Germany, we do an Oktoberfest. So that will be our pit stop. So once you've explored Germany and you know about the German culture, then we're going to celebrate with one of their holidays. I know we're looking at, we're working on the United States right now. So one of our regions is, region of the United States is going to be, include Hawaii. So at the end, you're having a luau and you're going to have to learn how to do the like luau dance and the hula and it'll be like hula competition. So we're just excited to be able to get the kids up out of their seats, hopefully a little bit, you know, around their desk and working with other kids and, you know, virtually, you know, using like Flipgrid. I think we've talked about kind of incorporating that in. So one of the tasks we are looking at is learning words or phrases in the native language of the country that we're exploring. So they would be able to use Flipgrid to kind of record themselves practicing or learning those terms or those phrases to share. Oh, that's really cool. I love how you're incorporating Flipgrid because that's a tool that I've personally been using a lot throughout my fall trimester and going into second trimester. That's what we've been doing a lot. So I love that. So are you a Google or a Microsoft school? We are a Google. Oh, you're so lucky. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so, well, that's great. So in Flipgrid integrates with Google? I played around with it first semester, this fall semester we're finishing up, but my kids have been able to just upload it into. uh, There may be some tricks and tips that I can still learn about getting it like planted right into Google Classroom, but I've just had the kids kind of save their videos and attach them. So I'm still learning that one. I phrase it as a TikTok for education because kids are constantly making TikTok videos. And this is, I think, pretty close to TikTok videos. Yeah. We use it in culinary a lot. You know, the kids, they had fun with it. They were some that were like real serious, like film productions, you know, and then we had some of the kids that were, you know, kind of just goofing off, having fun. And that's what's fun to see. You can see your students' personalities really pop out because you have the kids that, you know, 
um, it looks like a cooking show and then you have the ones that are being silly and having fun with it, a lot of fun with it. And it's just a great way to kind of get them out of their shells and get them learning, doing stuff. Oh, that's great. Well, I'm, I'm excited to hear more about this. So with your, your gamifying your global food and everything, where are, do you want to give us like a little roadmap of where are your students going to be taking a travel a tour through? Yes. So we are going to start kind of learning the basics of culture and things, but they're going to start off in the United States and just kind of work the way around. They're going to bump up to or down to like Mexico. They're going to go to the Caribbean. We're looking at France. We're looking at Italy, Germany, and the United Kingdom. I, that one's always one of my favorite ones. And we do like United Kingdom and Britain. We have a tea party to make scones and all kinds of things. We're going to look at India. We're looking at Greece. Just trying to hit all those big, you know, travel destinations that are always talked about. But financially, sometimes, you know, we can't afford to go to those. So let's bring them to our students. And then, you know, hopefully they get the chance to, you know, venture over. And they know maybe a couple terms or phrases to help them out when they get over there. Well, that's great. And I, so when you talk about pit stops and celebrations, are you guys doing like, because I've never done anything remotely close to what it is that you're, you're talking about doing. Are you guys going to be doing like creating mini projects during these uh, pit stops and celebrations where the kids are for your in-person students? Are they putting together like a poster board and talking about like the cultural highlights, the food descriptions, the recipe and maybe some other things and having and then even making those foods in class. Okay, so right now it's a very rough draft, but our celebrations are kind of those lab days where they are preparing the food. I always try to kind of connect mine to like a holiday. But what you're getting at is their like final project. So they are actually after they've traveled the world and they end back up in Ohio or wherever they are ending, they're going to get hired by Disney. And they are going to be reinventing Epcot. And so they are going to have to basically bring their country of their choice back to Epcot. And they can do that. I've done this in a couple ways. I've done just the posters. Um, so, you know, bring me into it. Bring me into your country through a poster. Um, I've also done the food trucks. So you have to come up with a food truck that resembles your country. I've had really great things um, come out of both of those. So we're trying to put those together. So like music coming out of it. And we want the, you know, the colors that represent that country or the culture, um, the foods and the spices. So you, what we have now is you would kind of come up with a food truck, but you would have a menu of the foods that you're learning about or that you enjoy that or foods that are common in that country. You know, bring us in, bring us in with some art, artwork that comes from there. Bring us in with some games or activities, leisure things that come from that country. So you're basically, they're going to, we're going to kind of explore everything and then bring them back in by like our huge pit stop final game finishes. Each person or each team will get to select a country to really showcase and bring that all together. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to have to talk to my team and see if maybe that could be something that we can try to figure out how to do for just my foods one class or maybe their foods two classes. So that would be a lot of fun. Now, you um, like on our side conversation, you were talking about how 
we, I should say, we were talking about um, how students are falling behind. And what are the really, I thought it was a genius idea. How are you helping those students come out of their hole that they've dug for themselves? Some of them are digging, use the term snowballing or, you know, they, they have dug a hole so deep that they're at the point now we're at the end of the semester and they are panicking. And, um, you know, some of the older kids are, it's their graduation requirement. Like they have to have, you know, an elective credit to graduate. And, you know, one of the things I turn to is FCCLA and, um, I'm a national consultant team member this year. It's my first year doing it. And, you know, we're here to kind of support other advisors and other teachers and getting, and then also try to get that FCCLA name out. So what I've kind of thought in my head, I've looked in a lot of our FCCLA projects, you know, they should be brought right into the classroom um, and that can be done. And I've looked at several. So with food science, I've looked at, I have kids that are just really struggling and I've looked at them and I said, look, this stuff can all wrap into this um, project and um, I would like you to work on this and you know kind of complete it and you know what they do really well you know you can you can take this and you can compete with it so the one I'm using for food science is food innovations so we're looking at um, basically kind of looking at the food and whole switching it up um, I've given them a little kind of prompt where I want this food to be um, vegetarian friendly. So pick a recipe and make, make it so that someone who has, follows a vegetarian diet um, kind of it, it tailors to them. And they have to look at the packaging. They have to look at the processing. They're looking at cost analysis. So essentially, um, I would typically normally kind of assign that one, um, food innovations in that class, which just this year, we're just kind of falling behind a little bit that I've given the kids the option. So instead of doing 900 little things, put it together and give me a good solid project and we will help you get out of this slump. I love it. And have you uh, looked at doing something like that for all of your classes? For the most part, I do try to integrate at least one activity, FCC activity or project into each class. So my big one, um, I finally got my child development class to be year long. Um, that's my that's my baby. That's the one I really, really enjoy teaching. Um, I just, I have an alternative FCS license and I had majored in child and family studies. So I really, um, you know, hone in on that. I really, that's where I connect the most. And so my kids all in, per, or all in child development will complete their power of one project. And I've just divided that up into where we're learning. Um, so the first thing that we did, um, when we kind of look at parenting skills, we look at the Better You project and what can you do to make yourself better for the future? Um, so when you are, are ready to become a parent, you know, what do you need to improve on? You know, looking at being a parent now versus being a, you know, a high school student, what are some skills that you need to get there and how can you do it now? So some of them pick um, like organization. A lot of them pick um, just learning how to prioritize. And then we kind of move there. And then we hit into family structures and family types and family challenges. I bring in the family ties and I kind of guide them on this one. They have to plan a family fun night or game night. And they have to use that. They use the planning process to plan out their night. They look at budgeting, um, kind of roll it all up together. And then they, hopefully, they will go out and do their actual um, family game night. And that's part of their project, their power of one. Um, so I don't really grade them on or assess them on if they completed it or not. I look at 
how they kind of work through it. But as they work in, they complete each section. When they get to the end, the only one that's left is speak out for FCCLA. And that's where I really tie them into FCCLA. I'm like, hey, you've completed four of the five areas. Let's get you finished. What what can we get you to do for FCCLA? And that may be leading something at a meeting. Um, that may be working on our bulletin board, maybe updating our website or taking over our social media for a day, making some announcements, heading up one of our activities or group community service activities. So just kind of tying them in, giving them that role, making them feel important, making them feel special, uh, making them that leader really ties them in. And then you always have the students that after they've completed it and they've gone and they got that award, they get to go up on stage and receive that award. They're like, what can I do next year? And that kind of just gets them in and gets them moving for the next year. Now, how do you get them um, to join FCCLA? Because I have, so something that for my FCS classes, for the the four of us, we always start off the beginning of every class uh, talking about FCCLA and we do a FCCLA digital interactive notebook that was shared on one of the the many of the the Facebook uh, groups that there are. And um, so that gives them like the scavenger hunt of what FCCLA is and then talking about how it's 20 bucks to join. And that is for the year. But how do you get your students to buy into that? Because that's that's been that's been the struggle. Um, this year was really hard. Um, some of my stronger or more seasoned FCCLA um Kids are remote and um, they're still, you know, they, they're still working on projects and stuff, but I've, that connection's kind of gone. I, I miss seeing them every day. And, um, but I think a lot of it's word of, you know, word of mouth. They talk to other kids and I'm like, hey, bring a friend and the friend comes along. Um, I also do the scavenger. We do the, um, I use Teen Times a lot, um, you know, as a, that's the magazine put out by FCCLA. So that's something I kind of put out and that's a good sub plan. But I also do um, the step one web quest. I turned it into a um, Bitmoji classroom. So it's kind of more interactive. Um, We've done the FCCLA breakout boxes, but really just getting the kids and kind of um, putting them in to it and having them complete an activity or a project um, you could do like community service activity, you know, hey, we're working on a can drive and how to get all your classes, whichever class brings in the most canned foods, you know, and then you kind of look at and they, they kind of get that excitement and they're kind of um, that competition comes out and you're like, okay, well, you guys did it. Can you guys, you know, let's plan this out and let's get you guys competing this, you know, sharing this project with regional, you know, and kind of just making them, feel, you know, pull those kids out that are strong, um, that want to like stick out and they want to, um, present. That's, I I guess that's how I kind of get the kids. I'm like, Hey, you know, you'd be really good at this or Hey, you know, um, and even when you have those quiet kids, just finding that quiet kid that, you know, just kind of maybe doesn't really, you know, stands out in class. They just keep to themselves like, Hey, I want you to help me with this. And, you know, sometimes you see that spark in their eye, like, Oh, me, you want me to help you do something or, um, I've gotten a lot of kids my first couple of years as an advisor, I would take, um, some kids that had just kind of interest, you know, maybe they helped out. We used to do a trick or treat for canned goods. Uh, we didn't do it this year with COVID, but, um, kids that participated in that. And I'm like, Hey, would you like to come to the state conference? And, 
And once they go there and they see it, you, you can just see in their faces, they're like, I want to do this. And then, you know, just getting that award, if they do that power one, um, that's usually my base, a good one to start with is getting those power kids in power of one because um, individual project um, with our say again, like they get that award on stage and that just kind of, you know, I want to do more. They sit there and they listen to all the other awards and, you know, maybe they've connected, they've talked to a student from the other school and they, okay, well, that's what they did. And then, well, I can do that or I can do this and I can make it better. And so that just, just being around it, I think gets them involved going to the regional, we have regional meetings. Um, this year, virtually, we still had them. We did a tri-state meeting, um, which was fun. The kids all got to Zoom in. Um, and then I had our state officers Zoom in and do a day where they talked to my students. Um, we have a couple that are state officer or regional um, members that are from a local or neighboring school district. So just getting them out there and then, you know, just connecting with other schools that are close to you and other students that are close. Yeah, no, and that's that's what it's all about. It's just about um, bringing people together and forming those friendships that hopefully that will last a long time. No. So what has been, so your power of one is probably what your favorite? Definitely my favorite. Uh, I just think it's, it just gives like kids the power, you know, it's the, the projects on them. And, um, but we do a lot of the community service projects. Um, but this year I'm really trying to put in those more of individual set to a class project. And um, my biggest piece of advice is don't overload yourself. You no, know, take one at a time. So this year I added food innovations in. I remember my first year I signed, I think up for like six. I was like, guys, we're going to do this. We're going to sign up for six different um, projects. And we come down to it and we had to, you know, pull some of them. We're just, you know, it wasn't, they weren't coming together. We run into snow days and um, just trying to manage that. So as an advisor, don't overload yourself. Um, want, you know, add something new every year. Now, so what uh, piece of advice could you give, like possibly a brand new teacher who is just thrown into the classroom, who now has to try to figure out how to incorporate FCCLA? My biggest thing is, you know, go, um, if you have the opportunity to evaluate, um, projects, either regional, state, or national, that is the, one of my biggest ways of how to learn, me learning how to do a project or what a project should look like or, um, what the expectations of it are. You know, we can look at our rubrics and, um, you can take them multiple ways, but for me as a visual learner, going and seeing students compete or share their stories or share their project sparks me. I'm okay, I can do this. And then you can kind of look at that and be like, well, I can fit it into this class. And um, so just getting out there, getting involved, connecting with other advisors, but really just going out and, um, you know, evaluating those and getting yourself into the FCCLA world is going to be probably my biggest piece of advice. And how, where would one go to, to look at these projects? Is there a web page on FCCLA or to see certain things or what? Um, FCCLA does have a YouTube channel that National has a YouTube channel that they do have some videos of projects that um, competed at a um, 
national conference a few years ago. Um, but contacting your state advisor, I know in Ohio, we are always looking for evaluators. Um, so even at the regional level and at state level and national, I know is always looking for or, um, evaluators and just being able to um, connect. And then I don't, you know, if you have the connection where you find a different state that needs evaluators and you jump on it, just go and evaluate. Um, now with the virtual aspect is actually kind of nice. I know when we first talked about it this summer, it was kind of like, okay, how's this going to work? Um, and I evaluated nationals, which was um, virtual this year. And it's kind of exciting because you can sit in the comfort of your home and you can, um, you know, look at these projects and really think about them instead of kind of being at the conference where you're on a set time or, you know, you have X amount of time to see this project and they, they kind of, the kids come in, they present it and then you're, they're gone. And you're like, well, that was good, but how's that going to, you know, how can I make that work? So being able to do this virtually has really been able to allow, you know, to sit there and be like, well, that was a really great idea. Or I can kind of, you know, put my swing on it and make it fit this class. Um, but yeah, just reaching out to state advisors or other teachers in your area that have FCCLA, just kind of going and just seeing. Yeah, no, I love that. My goodness. Well, you've just given us whole wealth of information. I love that you are providing retrieval work for your students, um, <clears throat> incorporating Flipgrid and your gamifying your global foods class. You have just a lot of really cool things that you are doing. How about, I guess, what advice can you pass on to, I guess, teachers who are going into kind of at that blended setting that you are already in? What advice can you give us? Because I know eventually we, I will be there. Um, just breathe. <laughs> <laughs> There's days that I come in and I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? You know, I've tried to make it as virtual if my virtual kids were here. And sometimes there's things that just don't work that way. I know you and I talked earlier, you know, labs, I would sit and I would try to find alternate lab alternatives. And I typically give lab grades. And I've just come to the point where, um, you know, not all of our students have the same resources. Um, they don't have the availability to cook or do prepare the things that we're doing in class. And I've just had to find new ways to do it. So sometimes that may just be reading a little snippet of an article and, you know, reflect on it. What were some of the cooking terms that were being used? So that they're getting exposed to what we would be doing in class. Um, I still provide them the recipes that we're doing. You have to kind of take it back and be like, this isn't a normal year. Um, I caught myself thinking like, I want to do all this. I want to do all this. And I had, I looked and I'm like, okay, now we're like three weeks behind. And just trying to, you know, make it fun for the kids, you know, if you look at it and I just, I've caught myself before kind of getting frustrated when we have lots of late work. And then I have to kind of look at it and be like, Hey, these kids are 14, 15, 16, some of them, maybe 13, maybe you're even teaching middle school where you have 12 year olds in your class. And um, we're expecting them to perform how they would perform at home or, you know, here at school, but sometimes they're at home. And my, I've learned from my own children that they have remote uh, Mondays and in the past couple of weeks, they've been remote. They're not, it, they're not in that school setting. They don't have that mind frame. And sometimes um, we are expecting a lot more out of them. So kind of, you know, relaxing yourself, relaxing the kids, making it so that the kids are, um, can come easily talk to you. 
and, you know, hey, I have a problem. And instead of saying, I want all this work done, maybe kind of come up with that retrieval method. So, hey, I'm going, I want you to do this because when I look at the FCCLA um, projects, you know, they cover a lot of our standards. Instead of you worrying about trying to catch up on 10 assignments, I would like you to complete this one project. And really, um, is it cutting back the work? Maybe not so much. Um, they may be doing the same amount of work. It's just kind of presenting it in a different way. So they don't have that to-do list of 10 things. They have that to-do list of one, but they're really kind of maybe, they're incorporating all those things that they would have done in those assignments into that one assignment. And from so far, knock one wood, it's gone really well. I have kids that I really have taken off with it. So that's just breathe, be flexible, just relax. And, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll all fall in place. No, I love it. Thank you. So as we start to wrap up, I'm starting to give like a three rapid, um, do three questions in a rapid fire. Yeah. <laughs> so what is your favorite book? Do you have a favorite book or a favorite author? Just anything off the top of your head. Okay, so I'm gonna have to get back to Charlotte's Web. That is my favorite book. I love it. I love pigs. So Wilbur and I are close. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay. How about, is there a quote that just kind of resonates with you? I think I got this quote from you or someone that came from that um, was on one of your um, podcasts. But if you can't find your purpose, find your passion. I think I heard that from you. I think I heard it from here. Um, I just really, I knew I'm going into when I, I'm actually really fortunate and I am teaching in the classroom that inspired me to be an FCS teacher. And I, um, when I went to go to college, I, was going into family and consumer science education. And um, in my area, the jobs were, the job market was not great. And I knew that I wanted to stay close to family. And so I ended up, you know, coming back home and switching majors, but I always knew, every, you know, every day I would like search, you know, the OD website for FCS jobs and always had my eye out for them. And, um, I ended up doing child and family studies major and I worked at a nonprofit for a little bit and just kind of searching and another FCS job opened up and it was going to be like an hour away from home. And I'm like, okay, we'll make it work. And I applied and I actually got the job and this job literally opened up on the day that I was supposed to go um, for the board meeting. And um, I'm so thankful that it did. Um, it's pushed me. I think I had big shoes to fill and I, admired the teacher that I had in high school and I wanted to be just like her and I get to be get to be her so oh my gosh I love that story yes oh, at one point in my journey I was told um because I had a, another district I was told by one of the administrators that I was better off getting a ticket for the Titanic than ever finding an FCS job and now being here and doing what I love and getting to be um Mrs. Martin, um, I'm like, my ship did not sink. and <laughs> It is still going. So um, very fortunate for this opportunity here. Yeah. All right. Well, gosh, that, that story just, that sends chills down my spine. It really does. Um, okay. Last and final question. What's your favorite tech tip? Do you have a tech tip you can pass on? 
try it out for yourself first. <laughs> There's been things that I've yes. um, found. Um, one of the ones recently was a um, like a breakout virtual breakout box or activity. And I was like, okay, this will be great. And I really liked the content. I liked where it was going. It was kind of like a web quest breakout box kind of combo. And I gave it to the kids and nothing worked. <laughs> they were like, um, this, is not, this is not working. I'm like, yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And I like get on there. And there was things, I think um, someone had shared it and someone had overwrote on it or whatever. So just trying things out first is probably one of the biggest things, just making sure it works properly. Um, and then don't be afraid to try new stuff. So like the Flipgrid, um, I told, I called my, my culinary class was pretty small this semester. And I was like, you guys are my guinea pigs. And so we, I tried Flipgrid with them. And that's where, you know, some of them took off with it. And some of them were like, I don't like it. Um, or, you know, some of them really, you know, had fun with it. And some other just made it real. Um, so just try new things. And then I guess offer kids different ways of turning things in with that technology, you know, we live in a world where we have so much technology. So maybe Flipgrid isn't right for every student. Maybe you have someone who would rather just take pictures or do like a storyboard with their pictures. So just trying it different ways. I love it. Oh, you hit quite a few things, <laughs> a few moneymaker things right there. Just try it out yourself first. Uh, that's, that's something that's really huge. I'm pretty fortunate where I have, I have older kids. So I have two high schoolers and, and there's so many times that I'm going, Hey, Aubrey, Hey, Aaron, can you help me out here? <laughs> and, and they'll play around with it. And, the, and they'll tell me flat out, they are ruthless. They say, mom, that sucks. I'm like, wow. <laughs> All right. That's how I found pixel art recently. <laughs> and I, um, my seven-year-old, I'm like, come here, come try this out. And the one that I found, um, that was formatted for like first grade edition or something. So he's doing, it. I'm like, did you have fun? He's like, yeah, this is fun. I'm like, okay, but you're seven. I'm like, would you like it when you're 12? <laughs> he was like, I don't know, probably. Um, so I tried it out with the kids and the kids are like, this is fun. Cause you have that instant, like, I know if I got it right or wrong and I don't have to wait for you to grade it. <laughs> so, yes. um, so that's something we were really looking at, um, when we're doing this global foods is kind of putting some stuff in there where they are using maybe pixel art or, just things that, you know, that kind of the instant or like virtual breakout. So they have that, they know if they're getting it right or wrong, they're not sitting around. Um, I think that's one of the biggest things too, is the kids are just used to that instant gratification. They want it now. And this, these things are going to provide that for them. Yeah. That's something that, um, gosh, I, so being a Microsoft school district, we have you know, Microsoft forms and that's how we've done our, our tests in the past. Well, I'm like, and me, I've been trying to gamify things as well. So I've, I've taken the tests off of the Microsoft, our Microsoft Forms platform and I've uploaded it to uh, quizzes and it just kind of puts it into a different, a different uh, look, feel and make it a little bit more game, game-ish like mm -hmm. where the kids are having fun with the leaderboard and everything like that. And um I have discovered through, because I do both Kahoot and quizzes, students prefer quizzes because Kahoot, you have to split your screen in order to see the questions and uh, where the boxes are and mm -hmm. what it matches up to. And kids don't want to split their screen because it turns their their screen too small and they can't see it. And so I'm like, 
Oh, that's, I found that too. Like some stuff that I've had on my screen, when they get on their Chromebooks, things mm-hmm. look different or they don't format correctly or it's not as wide of a screen. So just playing around with it. Um, but yeah, I found there's some classes that really take to Kahoot and then some classes really like Quizlet Live. You know, they're just finding, um, I've had the Nearpod. I, I like it. Um, some kids like it because, you know, they're self-paced and they want to be able to work right through it. We do Nearpod as a whole group. So just kind of giving them um, technology in different ways. And I have some students that are like, can I just have paper, please? Um, they want that paper. They're just, they're so technology burnout almost. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do a lot of paper stuff. And, you know, I, I print off, you know, 10 or 12 copies. And then by the second period, I'm like, okay, now I got to print off more because I'm like, who would like a paper copy? And the hands go flying up. And so what I just have them do is just snap a picture of it and upload it to the assignment on Google Classroom. Um, so just finding ways for them to be able to do it. Uh, Cami has been nice. Um, I'm not really familiar with Cami. My students are more familiar with it. They're always starting stuff in using Cami. So just, I'm at the point where I'm like, here's what I want you to do. If you can present it in X, Y, or Z, I don't care. Um, as long as you're learning the concepts, learning the material, being able to apply it, you show me how you can learn. Uh, that in right there, that's gold because you're giving them, it's a choice board is what you're doing. It is, it, it is that choice board. And that is something that I think all teachers should be doing because, man, I've been hearing some horror stories amongst my, my own colleagues, not in, not so much in my FCS cohort, but just my colleagues in general, it's been, it's been, it's been ugly. And uh, I love that you are, you're navigating and you're trailblazing and you're trying to find things that are working for your students and getting your students feedback, because that's what's going to make, I think, both students and teachers successful is by getting that the student feedback in order to make things work. Definitely. I think it's a, it's a, it's a team effort is what I like to think of education that, you know, sometimes you, there's things that I'm not familiar with. And, you know, I kind of look at them like, so what would you guys, like, how would you guys like to learn this? Before I try to think of how I would want to teach it, I asked them what would be the best way. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how with this global foods, I looked at my kids. I'm like, so next, next semester, how many of you are in global foods? And, you know, I'm like, would you guys like it if it was like a game? And they're like, yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm, yeah, I'm doing it. Good. <laughs> That's what you get. I mean, I'm doing it, but <laughs> like, now I get and, and I got your approval, so I'm going to go ahead and do it now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. Well, Elena, this has been so much fun, and thank you so much for just coming on and well, sharing your your own personal journey and your stories and the things that your tips, tricks and strategies and all the things that you've been learning along the way. And it's been, it's exciting. And just thank you. You've been, thank you. And I really appreciate you always doing this. There's, there's several times I have like an almost an hour commute to school and I catch myself sometimes listening to other teachers. I'm like, Oh, I'm not the only one (laughs) or, Oh, I'm I'm in that same problem. Or, you know, it's just nice to be able to know, you know, and I think I'm a singleton. There's just me. Um, there's a few of us left in my County. Um, but, um, just being able to connect with people. And sometimes I feel like FCS teachers get FCS teachers. If you go and have a complaint or have a bad day and you talk to the math department, they're like, Oh, okay. Like, 
Now that that's horrible for you, but you know, just having a an FCS family um, that's as big as we have now. I think with technology, yeah. it's just great. You always have someone to support you and someone to lean on and share resources with. So again, thank you for bringing us together. Yeah, no, uh, that's that was this is the podcast that I needed when I started four years ago. So this is <laughs> this definitely. Is really so thank you so much and. I'm looking forward to staying connected with you. You're always welcome to come on. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for joining me today at Connect FCS Ed. In each episode, we boldly celebrate families and careers by providing inspiration, support, and resources for teachers, students, and families. I'm inviting you to join me in the conversation. Let's share your resources and stories. Together, we are better. Thanks again for listening and helping spread the word that family and consumer sciences is today's home economics.